We'd like to welcome you to the uh, <laughs> merry month of March. Yeah, it is March already. Who to thunk, huh? Well, welcome. And, of course, welcome to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9. Or, of course, for live streaming, CITR.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and I'm your host here for the remainder of The Jazz Show. And we carry on until well after midnight every Monday night from right here at CITR. We have... uh, course, a whole bevy of uh, music to play for you this evening, all kinds of things and different genres and uh, some historical stuff and um, even uh, a birthday tribute today to a great musician. But our jazz feature is first and foremost off the top of the show. And this evening, it's none other than Edward Kennedy Ellington. In other words, Duke Ellington and his orchestra, or as uh, he would put it sometimes, Duke Ellington and his famous orchestra. His orchestra, of course, was a musical institution for so many years, from the, right from the 20s, right through until his death in 1974. And then uh, for several years, the Ellington Orchestra was carried on by uh, some of the um, living alumni of that orchestra. Duke Ellington's orchestra was, well, the most unique of all orchestras because uh, the music mostly came from Ellington or his alter ego, Billy Strayhorn. They wrote the compositions. Um, They had many hits uh, over all the years that... uh, uh, they were in existence. And the Ellington Orchestra was very, very special in comparison to other orchestras, um, like big bands like Count Basie's, uh, Woody Herman's, Stan Canton's. Uh, you see a lot of those um, bands' charts uh, in schools and universities, and uh, they are playable. Um, however, You don't see too many Ellington charts in those schools. And the reason for it is is that the sound of the Ellington Orchestra can't be imitated without the participants. This was part of the magic of Duke Ellington. He picked over the years, and of course there were a lot of people in and out of the band. Uh, People sometimes left and then came back and all this kind of stuff. But he did have a core band and, of course, the major soloists like Johnny Hodges, uh, Russell Prokop um, on alto saxophone and clarinet, Jimmy Hamilton, one of the most foremost clarinet players in the world. And, of course, Jimmy also played the tenor saxophone. You had Paul Gonzalez, who was, uh, I think, just about every other saxophonist admired Paul for his uh, technique, his soul, his, his beauty in, in his playing. All this kind of stuff. Harry Carney was was a mainstay playing the baritone saxophone. Um, just to name a few, and then, the, of course, the, all these great trumpet players from uh, Cootie Williams to Bubber Miley to, um, I could name, name you ten more. But um, 
that is the magic of Duke Ellington. He picked people that would make the music and, and make those unique sounds that, that, that he, he did. And he didn't write the way uh, so many people did. He, he, he blended. Um, he, he would, uh, instead of writing uh, um, brass uh, trumpets against the saxophones, you know, they would riff and the sax- sort of, he didn't write that way. He, he, he combined um, really oddball um, mixtures of instruments and established such a, a unique sound. And of course, Duke was an incredible genius. One of the things that was underrated about Duke was his ability to play the piano. He was an absolutely magnificent piano player. And, of course, um, coupled with his uh, organizational genius and the fact that he kept this band going for so long, um, he very often paid, paid out of his own pocket for recording sessions to record new materials so that he could keep the guys interested in, in, in the music and, and keep things fresh. Um, the band also had to do... A, a lot of regular gigs, fraternity parties, um, <laughs> stuff like that, um, where they were hired out. Sometimes um, the band was hi- uh, or or the, the partial, uh, a, a small version of the Duke Ellington band was hired out, say for a fraternity party or um, or a wedding. Um, and but if you had Duke Ellington there, it cost you a lot more money. And, of course, it would also cost you more money if you had the full band. So, But that's how, over the years, um, the economics of the band kept going. And, of course, there were so many special events and big recording sessions for major companies and all this kind of stuff. Um, it was really, uh, really something else, the way Ellington uh, uh, kept the band going. And, of course, it had... Over the years, there were levels of, um, of popularity. Sometimes the band, for many years, was extremely popular, and then uh, that would wane for a little while. For instance, in the 50s, the band sort of um, was, in a way, it was taken for granted, but then they had this magnificent appearance at the Newport Jazz Festival, and that put the band back on the map again. Uh, things like that happened uh, over, over the years for Ellington's band. So we get to this record, and it's called Afro-Bossa. And interestingly enough, during the early 60s, Ellington signed with Reprise Records, which was founded by none other than Frank Sinatra. And Sinatra wanted more artistic freedom for his music uh, as he had become rather dissatisfied with Capitol Records, who he was with for so long, and he decided to put his money where his mouth was, chairman of the board, that's Frank, and uh, he established Reprise Records. And initially, uh, Reprise signed a number of um, great artists to that label, aside from Sinatra himself, and one of them was Duke Ellington. Uh, And Ellington's reprise period was very fruitful, innovative, and presented the band in a highly creative light. Uh, As a short addenda, reprise was eventually sold to Warner Brothers, uh, although Sinatra retained controlling interest in the company. Uh, 
Anyway, that's, that was uh, a little history of reprise records. One of the highlights of the Ellington Orchestra's reprise period was this album entitled Afro Bossa. And as many of us are aware, the bossa nova was a concept of rhythm and style from Brazil, which became very, very popular in the early 60s as it was being absorbed into jazz music by such people as Stan Getz and, and many others. Now, this Allington album really has little to do with pure bossa nova, but it does reflect Ellington's personalized concept of the bossa nova. So the music is more of an Afro-Latin concept and exposes the more exotic side of the Ellington Orchestra. Several Ellington uh, of the Ellington uh, personnel play various percussion instruments as well on the tunes. And of course, all the classic Ellingtonians are here, and you'll hear uh, solos from various uh, uh, principals in the Ellington band, such as uh, alto saxophonist Johnny Hodges, clarinetist Jimmy Hamilton, um, Russell Prokop, who, who played a very unique style of clarinet, uh, derived from uh, uh, um, New Orleans, he, he, and, uh, of course, the great tenor saxophonist Paul Gonzalez, also Harry Carney, trumpeters uh, Cootie Williams and Cat Anderson, and also Ray Nance, a wonderful trumpet player who also played the violin, and trombonists Lawrence Brown and Buster Cooper. So the pianists uh, on all these pieces are either Ellington or his alter ego, Billy Strayhorn. They're kind of interchangeable because Strayhorn was always there. And, of course, uh, they both, uh, most of these compositions are, are compositions that they both wrote. And um, that, that was the relationship they had. The, the rhythm players here uh, in, the, in the band at this time, Ernie Shepard, wonderful bass player, and, of course, the great Sam Woodyard on drums. And um, that's basically what the band is all about. And all of this stuff was recorded um, early uh, or um, in, in December of 1972, over a few sessions, uh, not 1972, 1962, December of 1962, and uh, into January 1963. Over several sessions. Anyway, this is uh, what the album is all about. I think you'll enjoy the music because it, it, it is not, um, it's different, it's quite exotic sounding, and... Um, it's absolutely wonderful. There are 12 tunes. And we begin with the title track, which, of course, is called Afro Bossa. The second one is called Purple Gazelle. And that has an alternate title that is also known as Angelica. And... Um, Yes, that's uh, a very delightful composition by Mr. Ellington. Tune number three is called Absinthe. Mm -hmm. Tune number four is entitled Moonbow. Uh, tune number five is called Sempre Amore. 
Tune number six is entitled Silk Lace. Tune number seven is called Tigress. Tune number eight, and Jew. Tune number four, or tune number nine, Volupte. Tune number ten, Bonga. Tune number eleven, Pyramid. And tune number twelve, which is a feature for um, the great powerhouse trumpeter, Cat Anderson, it's called The Eighth Veil. So here then, the Duke Ellington Orchestra in a prize recording for Reprise Records called Afro Bossa.
Our jazz feature this evening, the Duke Ellington Orchestra, as they sounded uh, over several sessions at the uh, tail end of uh, 1962 and into uh, January 1963. And, of course, all the principal soloists uh, were in the band at that time. And this album was recorded, as I mentioned before, for Frank Sinatra's label, which was Reprise Records. And uh, Frank had uh, started his own label. He was tired of uh, some of the um, <clears throat> restrictions that uh, Capitol Records was putting on his music. And uh, he wanted uh, to have artistic freedom. So he, he took his money, put his money where his mouth is, the chairman of the board, and uh, started his own record label. Eventually, it was sold to Warner Brothers Records, but uh, Sinatra was uh, uh, still in control of that label, Reprise Records. And he signed a number of artists, um, including uh, Duke Ellington. And this was um, quite um, a wonderful period for the Ellington Orchestra because all the records that they did for Reprise and I believe this was the first one, um, we're all emphasizing the more creative elements of the Duke Ellington Orchestra. I mean, sure, everybody has heard, had heard Satin Doll and Take the A-Train and all the Ellington staples, um, but this allowed um, Duke to uh, produce a lot of new and very fresh music, too. So it was a very, very good period for... Um, the band, and, and of course they were up for it because that's what they liked to do. They didn't want to play the same old thing uh, all the time. They had to do that enough, um, working gigs and clubs and, and so on and so forth. However, the Ellington Orchestra was such a unique um, institution of music and um, of the thousands of albums, really, literally, that Ellington recorded um, over the years, the orchestra uh, began in the 1920s, went through all the decades, and of course, um, basically ended when Ellington died in 1974. Um, but the orchestra was carried on for a couple of years um, by uh, not only Ellington's son, but some of the um, members that were uh, still alive. They took over control of the orchestra. Anyway, back to this recording uh, that we just heard. Hope you enjoyed it. It was called Afro Bossa. And the, as I mentioned before, the Bossa Nova had become a big part of music in the early 60s and, of course, was brought into the jazz fold by people like Stan Getz and, and so many others. And, and this was basically Ellington's concept of that, and he combined that with uh, uh, some different types of rhythms and, and so on, and that's why um, the album was titled Afro Bossa, because Ellington used all these different uh, in influences. So the pieces of music we heard, we opened with um, the title track, Afro Bossa, and... Um, that featured uh, short solos by various uh, of the principals in the band, like Ray Nance on cornet, Johnny Hodges on alto saxophone, Paul Gonzalez on tenor saxophone, and Jimmy Hamilton on clarinet. Then we heard one, uh, tune number two was called Purple Gazelle, but it was also known as Angelica. 
a delightful tune, and we heard Ray Nance um, on trumpet on that one and Paul Gonzalez on tenor saxophone. Tune number three was by Billy Strayhorn, who plays piano on here while Duke conducted the orchestra, and Billy Strayhorn, of course, was Duke's alter ego. And uh, they shared the composing uh, credits for uh, most of these pieces. And uh, tune number three was entitled Absinthe, and um, that was kind of uh, reflecting the green liqueur's mysterious warmth. Mm -hmm. Paul Gonzalez, baritone saxophonist Harry Carney, Ray Nance once again on trumpet, and Jimmy Hamilton are all the prime soloists on that one. The next tune after that was entitled Moonbow, and that featured um, Ray Nance once again on, uh, on trumpet, along with um, some serene statements by Johnny Hodges on alto saxophone and Paul Gonzalez on tenor saxophone. Then we heard tune number five, which was Sempra Amore, and that was a showcase for Ray Nance's violin. That was his alternate instrument. Not only did he play beautiful trumpet, but played wonderful violin as well. And um, we, of course, um, heard the principal soloist on Sempre Amore was Ray Nance. Then we heard a piece that featured the immaculate clarinet of Jimmy Hamilton, and that was tune number six called Silk Lace. Then we heard one by Duke Ellington himself called Tigress, and uh, that featured Paul Gonzalez on tenor saxophone, Jimmy Hamilton once again on clarinet, and Cootie Williams, one of the powerhouse trumpet players in the band. Then we heard uh, a plaintive number called uh, Angu, and uh, as Duke said, it wasn't quite a tango, but it's almost blue, and uh, Johnny Hodges takes the melody on that, Ray Nance's cornet. Uh, our trumpet is uh, featured there, and um, Billy Strayhorn is playing an old mandolin piano, and he duets with the maestro on that tune. Then we heard a tune called Volupte, and um, Duke, in Duke's words, he says uh, that's sought to portray the essence of voluptuousness, and... Um, the maestro himself was featured on that piece. Then we heard a piece called Bonga, and um, it was kind of a, a mood piece that uh, featured a brass trio of um, Ray Nance, once again on cornet, um, Cootie Williams on trumpet, and Lawrence Brown on trombone. The next tune we heard after Bonga was Pyramid, and that featured uh, trombonist Lawrence Brown and, once again, the powerhouse trumpet of Cootie Williams. And the final piece featured the great Cat Anderson, another hugely powerhouse trumpeter, and that was called The Eighth Veil. So that was the... Uh, selections on this uh, unique album by the Duke Ellington Orchestra called Afro Bossa. And that was our jazz feature this evening. 
and we shall return in a very few moments. We'd like to uh, tell you that we hope you enjoyed the jazz feature, and you are listening now to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9, or for live streaming, of course, CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be back in just a few moments. All right. Ambulance. Speak My Language is a collection of five radio documentaries centering the experiences of Chinese seniors navigating barriers in the BC healthcare system. Created through collaborations between youth and seniors, this intergenerational radio storytelling project promotes a greater awareness of language and cultural accessibility in healthcare. Come out for the launch event, Speak My Language, Celebrating Our Stories, happening at the SFU Gold Corp Center for the Arts on Saturday, March 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. The event is free, and ASL, Cantonese, and Mandarin interpretation will be provided. For more info, visit yarosociety.ca slash speakmylanguage. That's Y-A-R-R-O-W society.ca slash speakmylanguage. Hey Giselle, what are you doing March 14th? Nothing, Oren. What are you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. CITR and Timber Concerts present Palehound. Palehound? Where? at the Fox Cabaret with special guest, Adult Mom. Tickets are available at TimberConcerts.com. Have you ever thought about going abroad to study, work, volunteer, or learn a new language? Mark Tuesday, March 3rd in your calendar and get down to the Vancouver Convention Center East Building to find out how. All the experts under one roof, top universities, gap year specialists, and student travel organizations. Feature seminar starts at 1 p.m. and expo opens at 2 p.m. Admission is free. Check online at www.studyandgoabroad.com for more info. have a peek at the weather after that uh, theme song and we uh, tonight is going to be a little rainy but it's going to end uh, late tonight and then just stay cloudy with a low down to about five and tomorrow um, is is going to start out cloudy and then uh, rain will be starting in the early afternoon it's going to be a little windy as well with a low of 5 and a high of 8. Then Wednesday looks like a pretty pleasant day, a mix of sun and cloud, with a low of 5 and a high up to 10. Then a uh, bit of a downturn for Thursday, periods of rain with a low of 2 and a high of 9. Friday and Saturday is both, um, both days 
cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower, lows between 1 and 2, and highs between 8 and 9. And then Sunday looks quite pleasant, although it's going to get cool. It's going to go down to zero, but the high is going to be 10. So Sunday looks pretty nice. So there you go. And also on Sunday, uh, well, that's the day or the morning. You can do it, of course, the night before. you got to change all the clocks. Uh, the clocks are going to move forward. Spring ahead, you know, that kind of thing. You're going to lose an hour of sleep. But, uh, eh, that's okay. You know, you can recover from that. But that's, that's coming this, this weekend. So uh, you can do it Saturday night or uh, <laughs> when you wake up on Sunday, find out your clocks are all wrong, and you'll have to set them forward. So there you go. That's uh, the prognostication of the weather for the week. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. We're going to take you back now to one of the seminal recordings from the early days of modern jazz, which was, of course, uh, unfortunately called bebop. And that kind of diminished, uh, that name, which I've, I never really liked, uh, diminished the artistic importance of the music that was developed by Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell and all those people. Um, the name bebop just seemed so juvenile, but somehow it stuck. And, of course, later on it was corrupted to mean different things, and, and, and it kind of lost its meaning. I just call it modern jazz. Charlie Parker hated the word, and, and he just said, no, this is just modern music. This is just a, a more modern way of, of playing jazz music. Um, however, uh, the name bebop kind of stuck um, to the, uh, the style of music that uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker did. Anyhow, these are two important recordings by Dizzy Gillespie. And it features some of the very first recordings of Dizzy with a young man on tenor saxophone who, of course, became one of the giants of that instrument. And he was a giant of a human being, too. He was very tall. And I'm talking about Dexter Gordon, Long Tall Dexter, LTG. And... Um, or LTD, not G. Um, anyway, Dexter Gordon is on here, and he's just uh, scarcely out of his teens on this recording. This stuff was recorded in 1945, and it features Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Dexter Gordon on tenor saxophone, uh, Frank Paparelli on piano, uh, Chuck Wayne on guitar, and Murray Shapinsky on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums. And we're going to hear the first tune is a very uh, well-known uh, version, uh, and it's called Blue and Boogie. And when it came out on, on a 
78 RPM record. If you turned it over, side B was grooving high, but it was from a different session with Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. However, uh, here's the secret. And, and the record was issued on a, on a label called Guild Records. And so this was Guild 1001. However, a few issues of Guild 1001 came out with um, the tune with Dexter Gordon, Blue and Boogie, written by Dizzy Gillespie, and on the other side was Groovin' High from the same session with Dexter Gordon and the same band um, on record. And that was quickly withdrawn because the, the, the small record company changed and, 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 and put on the, the version with Charlie Parker. So this version became one of the rarest of all recordings with Blue and Boogie and Groovin' High with Dexter Gordon on it. And it took years for the Smithsonian Foundation to actually find a copy of one of these records, and it wasn't in very good condition, but they managed to get it on uh, recording. They managed to digitalize it, and uh, before the actual <laughs> record broke down, it, was, it, it hadn't been played, and it was, it was in very bad condition. But um, we, they got it before um, it, the record became unplayable. Anyone else who has a copy of this particular record is probably worth a fortune. It'd be like winning the lottery, but I don't think there's any around. It took the Smithsonian Institute Institute uh, years to find this recording. So this is very special. So we're going to hear this Dizzy Gillespie aggregation with Dexter Gordon. And the first tune, of course, is Dizzy's great composition called Blue and Boogie. That's the common one. Um, and the very rare version of Groovin' High, which turned out to be the very first recording of that famous Gillespie composition with the same band and, and Dexter Gordon on tenor. So here we go.
two seminal pieces of early modern jazz by none other than Dizzy Gillespie and with Dexter Gordon on tenor saxophone, Frank Paparelli on piano, Chuck Wayne on guitar, Murray Shapinsky on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums, all recorded in early 1945 for a very small record label called Guild Records. The first tune, Blue and Boogie, written by Dizzy Gillespie, um, is quite common, and of course you can find that. But the second version, uh, or the second tune, which is Groove and High, this version is extremely rare. And um, as I mentioned before, um, it was coupled on, on a 78 record, which was immediately pulled from the market, and they, they, pulled, they put another version of the tune, a later version, with uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. And uh, that first version, of course, because they, they pulled it and a few copies got out, um, we don't know how many, but uh, if you ever find one uh, of a copy with those two tunes on it, um, on, on an originally on an original 78 RPM album, you got yourself a lottery win. <laughs> it's huge. As I mentioned before, the uh, Smithsonian Insti- Institute finally came up, uh, discovered one after many, many years of looking, and uh, it was in obviously not in the greatest condition. And it was uh, they were able to at least um, tape it and uh, and preserve it uh, because after that one play, um, the record be- was unplayable, and uh, that was it. So that's what you heard. Yeah. Blue and Boogie and Groove and High, two classic pieces of music with Dizzy Gillespie and Dexter, a young Dexter Gordon. You know, one of the great tenor saxophone players was uh, Edward F. Davis, better known as Eddie Lockjaw Davis. He got his uh, nickname Lockjaw because of the way he looked when he uh, blew his uh, tenor saxophone, and uh, someone of course, gave him the nickname, and it stuck. And, of course, uh, you know, if you really got to know uh, Eddie Davis, you know, you could call him Jaws or whatever, you know, people shortened the name. Anyhow, that was his nickname, but he possessed uh, one of the uh, most individual sounds on the tenor saxophone. You listen to Eddie Lockjaw Davis, and you can identify him in about two notes, maybe even one note. Um, very, very distinctive approach to the tenor saxophone. He was self-taught. Um, he got a saxophone uh, and went to one place where uh, it cost, in, in his day, um, 25 cents a lesson. Uh, he got the basics down, taught himself how to play, and within uh, a month or so, he was actually playing professionally. And uh, he's, um, I interviewed um, Eddie Davis a couple of times, um, in my days uh, with CBC Radio years ago. And um, I found him to be one of the most perceptive and intelligent human beings I ever met. Today is his birthday. Um, so we're going to celebrate his birthday today. He was born in New York City, March the 2nd, 1922. 
and sadly passed away. He was only 64 when he passed away. He died of uh, lymphoma, and uh, he passed away in Culver City, California, on November 3rd, 1986. And we lost one of the great uh, voices of the of the tenor saxophone. Lockjaw, of course, recorded prolifically um, in various contexts. Um, he played with Count Basie's band. Uh, he was the straw boss in the in the band, which uh, meant that he had to take care of the personnel and hiring and firing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, he also retired from playing for a couple of years and became a booking agent. Uh, and and uh, then he got the music bug again, picked up his horn, and 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 and, and finished his uh, uh, his career over the years. Uh, he was had his own groups. Um, as I mentioned before, he was with you know Basie's band off and on over the years, and he had a wonderful um, tenor saxophone um, tag team match with the great Johnny Griffin. And they recorded a whole series of albums. They were together in the early 60s. And uh, a wonderful uh, tenor saxophone duet. And, of course, he continued to, uh, to perform uh, right up until his, his death. One of his finest recordings, and we're going to delve into it right now, is one that he did with, um, it's actually a big band that he put together. And he got Oliver Nelson uh, and Ernie Wilkins to write the arrangements for the band. But it it ostensibly featured um, Eddie Davis uh, as the primary soloist here. And there's all kinds of all-stars in the band. Um, Lockjaw Davis, of course, picked all the great people. Melba Liston and Jimmy Cleveland in the trombone section. Clark Terry, Bobby Bryant, Richard Williams in the trumpet section, Jerome Richardson and Oliver Nelson, Eric Dolphy is in here playing section alto saxophone, George Barrow on baritone saxophone, Richard Wyans on piano, Wendell Marshall on bass, and the great Roy Haynes on drums. So we're going to hear a few tunes uh, from this album because this is a superb Lockjaw Davis, and I think a, a fine tribute to his um, uh, birthday anniversary. And the first tune is written by Oliver Nelson, and it's called Train Whistle. And the soloists on here, of course, are Eddie Davis, Lockjaw Davis on tenor saxophone, and Oliver Nelson himself on alto saxophone. Then we're going to hear a ballad by Rogers and Hart, which features Eddie Davis all the way through, beautiful thing called You Are Too Beautiful. Then we're going to hear the very first version. This was even before Oliver recorded it under his own name of a tune that became Oliver Nelson's most famous composition. And on this album, it was called The Stolen Moment. But later on, it was uh, changed to Stolen Moments, plural. And uh, this is the first version of it. So we're go- after You Are Too Beautiful, we're going to hear Stolen Moments. And, of course, the soloists on here, Richard Williams on trumpet and uh, Eddie Davis, of course, on tenor saxophone. And the final tune is written by Eddie Davis himself and named after himself. It's called Jaws. 
and it features solos by Clark Terry, Richard Williams, Bobby Bryant, all the trumpet players, and, of course, um, Eddie Davis, Lockjaw himself. So those are the tunes we're going to hear from this wonderful album. It came out on Prestige Records called Train Whistle, and we open with the title track. The Eddie Lockjaw Davis Big Band with arrangements by Oliver Nelson and Ernie Wilkins.
Thank you. 
a flag waver. <laughs> That's what they used to call those kind of tunes. Yeah. That was the Eddie Lockjaw Davis big band with arrangements by Oliver Nelson and Ernie Wilkins. And the band is full of stars, of course. And in the rhythm section, Richard Wyans on piano, Wendell Marshall on bass, and the great Roy Haynes on drums. Mr. Snap Crackle, still alive, still playing. And a very small tribute to one of the great individual tenor saxophonists, Eddie Lockjaw Davis. He was born in New York City today, March the 2nd, 1922, and uh, sadly died at the age of 64 from uh, lymphoma, a form of cancer, sad to say, in uh, Culver City, California. He died November 3rd, 1986. This album is called Train Whistle. It came out on Prestige Records, and the band ostensibly features um, Mr. Davis on tenor saxophone. We heard a few tunes from this album. And the first one was uh, composed and arranged by Oliver Nelson, the title track called Train Whistle. And we heard solos by Eddie Davis and Oliver Nelson on alto saxophone. Then the ballad feature with a, an arrangement by Ernie Wilkins of uh, the old Rogers and Hart, the beautiful Rogers and Hart tune called You Are Too Beautiful. And that featured the uh, sensuous sounds of Eddie Lockjaw Davis playing that tune. And the next tune was the very first version of Oliver Nelson's most famous composition, and of course it's his arrangement, uh, of the tune. And originally it was called The Stolen Moment. And uh, then it became Stolen Moments. And, of course, uh, that was the high point of the album, I think, uh, with solos by Richard Williams on trumpet and, of course, uh, Lockjaw Davis on tenor saxophone. The flag waver tune that we just heard was called Jaws, and it was written by Eddie Davis and arranged by Ernie Wilkins. And it featured the three principal trumpet players on here battling it out, Clark Terry, Richard Williams, and Bobby Bryant. And then, of course, uh, all wrapped up by Eddie Lockjaw Davis. So he plays particularly well on this album, and I thought this would be an apt feature for him um, to celebrate his birthday anniversary. Eddie Lockjaw Davis. One of the great, great voices of the tenor saxophone. As I mentioned before, you hear two notes from this guy, and you know who he is uh, right away. We're going to change the pace a little bit and play you some music. As a matter of fact, this was the initial recording by a gentleman who was known by the name of Dollar Brand at the time. Dollar Brand from South Africa, and he was, uh, he's 85 years old now, and his birth name was Adolf Johannes Brand, and of course, later on, he got the nickname Dollar, and he was known as Dollar Brand. Then later on, um, he became a devout Muslim and changed his name to Abdullah Ibrahim, so he's basically known and has been known by that name 
um, for so many years. Anyway, when he recorded this, he was still known as Dollar Brand. And he had moved from South Africa um, to get away from the uh, horrible apartheid regime. And he managed to uh, make it to Europe. Um, he went there with his wife, singer B. Benjamin. And amazingly enough, when he was performing in a club in Switzerland, and Duke Ellington heard him. And Duke, of course, uh, was our jazz feature artist this evening, and he was associated with, uh, uh, he was under contract with Reprise Records. So he quickly, um, when he heard Dollar Brand and his trio, he was so, Duke was so impressed that uh, he made arrangements to have Reprise Records record the trio. And um, they went to a major recording studio in Paris in February of 1963 and recorded this album called Duke Ellington Presents the Dollar Brand Trio. And this was, um, although he had recorded in South Africa, uh, this was really his uh, the album that uh, put Dollar Brand or Abdullah Ibrahim on the map. And this was his working trio. Johnny Gertze on bass and Makaya Nachoko on drums. And we're going to hear three tunes from this album. The first one is my favorite. It's, uh, it was the album's opener. It's called Dollars Dance. And the second tune is dedicated to one of his main constituents in South Africa, one of the great voices of the alto saxophone uh, who died far too young, uh, Kippy Matsoki. And um, this tune is dedicated to Kippy, Kippy Motseki. Is, uh, was the saxophonist name. So that's the second tune that we're going to hear. And the third tune is a composition by a gentleman who was a huge influence on uh, Dollar Brand, a gentleman by the name of Thelonious Monk. And this is uh, a version of Monk's great composition, Brilliant Corners. So we begin with Dollar's Dance. We go to Kippy and Brilliant Corners. The Dollar Brand Trio. Duke Ellington presents the Dollar Brand Trio. Thank you. 
We heard three tunes from Abdullah Ibrahim's first recording when he was known as Dollar Brandt, originally from South Africa. He uh, had escaped that uh, repressive regime and had moved to Europe and was heard in a club in Switzerland by none other than Duke Ellington. And Duke was impressed and um, 
They made arrangements, as I mentioned before, Duke was signed to Reprise Records, um, and he uh, had some pull there. So he immediately made arrangements and the financial arrangements and all that kind of stuff. And Dollar and his trio uh, went to Paris to a, a very fine recording studio there and recorded this album. And it was issued domestically. It was the first uh, domestic recording by Dollar Brand, as he was then known as. So we heard um, Dollar Brand, a.k.a. Abdullah Ibrahim, uh, with uh, Johnny Gertze on bass and Mikhail Natsoko on drums, recorded in February of 1963. And uh, the tunes we heard, Dollar's Dance was the first tune, written by, of course, Dollar. And uh, the next tune was dedicated to his friend uh, Kippy Motseki, one of the great alto saxophonists from South Africa. And um, that was called simply Kippy. And the third tune, of course, was by one of Dollar's musical mentors, pianist Thelonious Monk. And he recorded this version of one of Monk's most difficult composition, compositions called Brilliant Corners. Dollar's Dance, Kippy, and Brilliant Corners. Duke Ellington presents the Dollar Brand Trio. Mm-hmm. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or, of course, uh, on your trusty computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. A few things happening uh, this week, of course. One of the ways to find out what's going on is to get uh, onto the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. These are the people that bring you the big jazz festival. They have just finished uh, promoting a wonderful uh, series of events down on Granville Island, winter jazz. They kind of break up that uh, dreary February month that uh, we all have to go through here in Vancouver. And um, that was very successful, and I know it turned a lot of people on to uh, jazz music. And that's what coastal jazz is all about, you know. They, they really want to make um, this great music accessible to you, and uh, that's what they do throughout the year. And, of course, um, they have other events. Their website is very comprehensive, and you can find out the uh, schedule at uh, Frankie's Jazz Club, which, of course, is one of the major jazz clubs in Vancouver, and it's located just across the road from BC Place. Frankie's has all kinds of things going on there. Some of the events are promoted by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, but essentially the club is programmed by the redoubtable Corey Weeds. And I know that this weekend, a very fine saxophone player from New York is going to be playing there, Nick Hampton. And uh, a little later on in the show, we'll hear a couple of tracks or a track or two from uh, an album that Nick Hampton did. He's a very, very good saxophonist, and he'll be performing at Frankie's this weekend. But two especially important events are happening really um, in honor of International Women's Day. And a whole group of female musicians, 
will be um, performing at Frankie's March the 4th and March the 8th. And that's Wednesday and Sunday, beginning at 8 o'clock. And all proceeds from the $30 cover charge are all going to Atira's Enterprising Women Making Art, E-W-M-A program. And um, basically, the event is dedicated to International Women's Day. And, of course, the featured performers, Karen Plato, Joni Taylor, Dee Daniels, Laura Crema, Jennifer Scott, and so many more will be performing at Frankie's March the 4th and March the 8th, beginning at 8 p.m. And $30 cover for this, and it's all going to be going to Atira and the Enterprising Women Making Art. So that's it. Um, there's so many other people there. Lisa K. Miller, Karen Graves, wonderful saxophonist, uh, Lisa K. Uh, Miller, uh, pianist, um, the Ingrid Stitt, another very fine saxophonist, Wendy Soloway, Brenda Baird, all kinds of people will be performing there and all the names that I mentioned. So you can phone for reservations um, March the 4th, which is this Wednesday, or Sunday, March the 8th, and catch this show. It's very important. All right, and of course, the other fine website besides coastaljazz.ca is the um, website of Vancouver Jazz. That's vancouverjazz.com, and that's kept up to date by the administrator on there, my old friend Brian Nation. He uh, uh, keeps that particular website relevant. So both of those websites are worthwhile going on to coastaljazz.ca, and vancouverjazz.com. And, of course, I always like to mention Pat's Pub. Every Saturday afternoon in the historic Patricia Hotel in Vancouver's colorful downtown east side, the Patricia Hotel, they have jazz every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7. The nice thing about it is that there is no cover charge. There never has been, and there never will be. And, of course, once you're inside, very comfortable, good sight lines, and a nice selection of uh, beverages and food, all that kind of stuff. Good place to go, and it's always packed out every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7. The idea is to get there a little bit early so you can get yourself a good good seat and uh, check out the proceedings. Pat's Pub. Saturday afternoons from 3 to 7. No cover. All right, we're going to get back to some music. This is a, a marvelous album from drummer Ernesto Cervini, who, uh, of course, resides in uh, Toronto. And he has put together his latest album, which he produced. Um, Ernesto, of course, is a wonderful drummer. And he put together this band comprising of uh, Louise Denise, uh, incredible alto saxophonist, Nir Felder on guitar, 
Rich Brown on um, electric bass, and of course, as I mentioned, Ernesto Servini on drums, the quartet. We're going to hear two tunes from Ernesto's latest album called Tetrahedron. And this uh, first composition is by Sigmund Romberg and Oscar Hammerstein. And it's called Softly as in a Morning Sunrise, but with a very special arrangement. And, um, yeah, you got to hear it to believe it. And we're going to follow that tune by bassist uh, Rich Brown, um, a composition called Forward Motion. So two tunes from this uh, latest album by Ernesto Savini called Tetrahedron. And uh, if you're interested in uh, getting hold of this album, um, all you have to do is uh, get onto your computer and just type in Ernesto Servini. And you will find a way to get this particular album. So here then are the tunes I mentioned. Here we go.
That's from a brand new album by drummer Ernesto Servini, and that featured uh, the great, wonderful Luis Denise on alto saxophone, Nir Felder on guitar, and Rich Brown on electric bass. And the first tune was the band's version of Softly as in a Morning Sunrise. A standard tune written by Hammerstein and Romberg and done in the style of this band. And the second tune was um, written by Rich Brown, the electric bassist, and it was called Forward Motion. Softly is in a morning sunrise and Forward Motion from the album by drummer Ernesto Servini entitled Tetrahedron. 
And uh, that's a, a brand new album. So all you have to do is uh, Google Ernesto's name, and you can find out how to uh, get a hold of this album. It's really a fascinating document. We'll be hearing more from this uh, recording in future jazz shows. Ernesto Servini. Yes, good band. And appearing at Frankie's this weekend is saxophonist Nick Hampton from New York. We're going to hear a couple of tunes from an album that he did not too long ago called Catch and Release. And um, that featured Nick on uh, saxophones with um, Dave Barron on bass, Dan Oran on drums, and Tarataka Uno on piano. And we're going to hear two compositions by Nick Hampton. The first one is called Hanging for Dear Life, and the second tune is called Target Practice. And um, you want to hear some good saxophone playing, go down to Frankie's this weekend. Nick Hampton will be appearing with uh, some of our resident musical heroes. So uh, get down there and check him out. Very, very fine player. So here then, Mr. Hampton.
There's a couple of tunes from an album by saxophonist Nick Hampton called Catch and Release. And this was recorded, of course, in New York City with um, the first tune, Nick played alto saxophone, and uh, that was his composition called Hanging for Dear Life. The second tune, he switched to uh, tenor saxophone, and that tune was called Target Practice, both compositions by Nick. And we heard Nick performing with um, Tatataka Uno on piano, Dave Barron on bass, and Dan Aran on drums. And that's from Nick's album, Catch and Release. And the main thing is that Nick will be playing here in Vancouver at Frankie's this weekend, Friday and Saturday evenings. He's the featured artist. And, of course, uh, you get a chance to to hear Nick, and he'll be performing uh, with um, some of our stellar resident musicians. And uh, Nick will deliver. He always does. Great player. So we hope you enjoyed those uh, two tracks. One of the great um, drummer band leaders was Shelly Mann. And, of course, he was based on the West Coast. Um, He was born in New York and uh, toured with Stan Kenton's band. And like a lot of musicians um, that toured with Kenton's band, uh, they fell in love with Los Angeles and decided to stay there. And, of course, Los Angeles was a great place for um, any qualified musicians because there was so much work there. Uh, Not only could you play jazz, which... (laughs) was the motivation of most of these guys. But you could do studio work and uh, perform in uh, movie soundtracks and all kinds of stuff, TV shows, movie soundtracks, radio shows, all this sort of stuff, and uh, really make a good living. And um, so many people did, Shelley Mann included. And he... um, Achieved a certain status, too, by opening his own club, which was one of the finest uh, jazz clubs in Los Angeles for uh, many years. That was Shelley's Manhole, and uh, that was a great club, and and so many uh, incredible musicians performed there. Anyway, Shelley Mann had a regular working band in the uh, mid-'50s, and I loved the sound of this band. Shelley, of course, on drums, uh, Stu Williamson is on trumpet, and one of the great alto saxophonists, Charlie Mariano, originally from Boston, is here, and Russ Freeman on piano, and the great Leroy Vinegar on bass. We're going to hear a couple of tunes from an album called Swinging Sounds, and Shelley, of course, called his band Shelley Man and His Men, and we're going to hear a Bud Powell composition in Poco Loco. And we're going to follow that with a tune by a guy named Bernie Miller. I I think this is the only composition he ever wrote, but it became a jazz standard. And it's called Bernie's Tune. So here then, Shelly Mann and his men in Poco Loco and Bernie's Tune. Thank you. 
Well, I decided to add one more tune because it's my favorite uh, from this album called Swingin' Sounds with Shelly Mann and his men, with the great Shelly Mann on drums and Stu Williamson on trumpet, Charlie Mariano on alto saxophone, Russ Freeman on piano, and Leroy Vinegar on bass. What a great little band, all recorded in Los Angeles and for contemporary records. And we heard, first of all, great tune by pianist Bud Powell called In Poco Loco, and tune number two was by a guy named Bernie Miller. I think the only tune he ever wrote, but it became a jazz hit, and that was Bernie's tune. And the final tune is um, my favorite tune, written by Charlie Mariano. It's called Slan. Shelly Mann and his men, swinging sounds, and they definitely were. Volume one on contemporary records initially. Now you can find that on CD. You can find that online, I'm sure. We're going to close the show this evening with The Young Men from Memphis. That was the title of this album, which came out on United Artists Records. It was recorded in New York, because they had all moved to New York, uh, in January of 1959. And it features all these Memphians. And, uh, of course, they all grew up there. They all played. They played with... uh, uh, people like B.B. King, and, you know, they cut their teeth um, playing with all kinds of bands. And, of course, um, uh, several of them went to uh, university and uh, studied more music and, and so on, and then they all eventually moved to New York City. Um, and that's the reason for this record. They all came together and recorded um, this album called The Young Man from Memphis. And they were all young at the at at that time, all in the 20s. I'm talking about one of my favorite alto saxophonists, Frank Strozier, who, as far as I know, is still with us, although he doesn't play anymore. The great George Coleman, who will be celebrating his 85th birthday, is still very active and performing right now in New York City. George Coleman Sr. And uh, on tenor saxophone, Big G. On trumpets... And they've departed the late Booker Little and Lewis Smith. On piano, one of the greatest piano players that ever lived, Phineas Newborn Jr. His brother Calvin on guitar, George Joyner, who was also known as Jamil Nasser on bass, and Charles Crosby on drums. And this is a tune that's a standard blues tune. It was written by Duke Ellington's son, Mercer, and it's called Things Ain't What They Used to Be. So here then are the young men from Memphis. Thank you. 
So, with the playing of Things Ain't What They Used To Be, which is the title of that tune, we end another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. And we heard on that piece of music Frank Strozier, the principal voice there on alto saxophone, along with all these guys from Memphis, uh, including Booker Little on trumpet, who took the solo after Frank's uh, lengthy alto solo. And then we heard George Coleman on tenor saxophone, Big G, and Lewis Smith on trumpet. Then we heard Calvin Newborn on guitar. Then we heard his big brother, Phineas Newborn, on piano. And we also heard George Joyner, a.k.a. Jamil Nasser, on bass, and Charles Cosby on drums. Things Ain't What They Used To Be, written by Duke Ellington's son, Mercer. And concluding another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR, FM 101.9. Or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker, and enjoy the week, enjoy the weather, enjoy Vancouver. Uh, Get out and hear live music. Pat's Bob, Frankie's, and so many other venues. Take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Bye for now. Thank you.